Welcome in to Patriot Sports. This is Will Dundon here with Nick Truchel and Seth Coggin. Patriot Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Guys, not a ton to talk about this episode. Might, might keep it a little short and sweet, but obviously a lot of things happened over the weekend. Uh, we'll kick it off with some NBA playoffs. What do you think? I don't think we did as a group too well predicting the conference no. finals matchups. If you took all our predictions and smashed them kind of together, maybe we we would have uh, done a little <laughs> bit better. But you took I, the one right one from each. Yes. Yeah, if you t- it, but uh, the individual basis was not good. Conference finals time, right? We're yeah, because all, all mean, evened up now. It, it, it it's uh, it's gonna be good. I just hope the uh, honestly, I hope the Warriors win. And as You're- much as. I hate the As Warriors. A, hey, if we're if we're gonna lose to anybody, I want to lose to the champs. Nah, but see, not, I don't care about that. I've never been like we lost. That doesn't do anything for me. But I don't. I mean, I don't care. I don't care if the Warriors win necessarily. I think I'd like to see Luca win though. I'm going to go. I'm going to ride with personally. The I'd like to see Luca, but as a Grizzlies fan, I'd like to see um, like to see the Warriors pull it off. So see, as a Grizzlies fan, I would absolutely not like to see the Warriors pull it off. Well, why the, would we want to war- see a division rival win uh, a, a championship? Well, uh, I mean, it's all it's, it does get a little personal for me too. I mean, I live with some Dallas boys, so we've That's been cheering true. on the maps That's pretty true. hard. You know, That's we've been true. right there. They've been there for the Grizz as well. You know, we it's back and forth. Um, it was going to, we were setting up for a really fun in-house Grizzlies versus Mavs uh, showdown. But unfortunately, that kind of can't come to be. I don't, I don't know. The, the Warriors just irritate me in a way that's really hard to describe. Um, it's the fact that they seem to get some favorable calls from the refs. You know, they, Steph's like everyone's just this wonder boy of the NBA. But really, in all honesty, like he's lost a step. He's not quite as good as he once was. He got saved the other night by Andrew Wiggins. Uh, and then one night it, they were like, oh, Steph scored. 10 points to close the game. Yeah, he hit eight free throws. Like, he didn't really do anything that special. Um, not a big fan of him. They talk a lot. Now, they do back it up pretty good. <laughs> I mean, but honestly, not in the last few years. Uh, they're kind of a few years removed. They're just very confident, very cocky. Um, not my – I really thought the Grizzlies were the better team in the series. That's kind of what also gets me to it is, like, I actually thought pure talent, like skill on skill, team, team versus team – thought the Grizzlies were a little bit better. Um, That was really, that was about a sad of just a thing to watch when they went on that like 15-0 run. uh, It seemed like the Grizzlies were going to get it. We were right there with it. Like, you know, right in the game, down two, down one, up one. And then all of a sudden they just hit you with the 15. And that's kind of the Warriors MO. That's how, yeah. Like they're going to keep you close. And then you know that they're going to hit you with a, a tough run you know, near mid fourth quarter about is kind of typically, I feel like when they try to make the move and they did, they went on a 15 0 run. They just couldn't miss a shot. Like I said, Andrew Wiggins went on a personal 10 0 run. Like you can't, you, you he's can't the fourth offensive fourth or fifth offensive option. Like you can't bank on someone like that going on a 10 0 run. Um, so that was really hard. Uh, the Mavs shout out the Mavs though. Game seven on the road. That's as tough as, Tough as it gets. Just, just come out and give them a 30-piece. A 30-piece on the road. How embarrassing for the Suns. Like, how – Devin Booker's out of elite status. 
like it, you're not an elite player if you if your team maybe you lose at home even, but like you're at least putting up 35 plus, you know, in a tough loss. Like to go out the way he did, it just is. Does LeBron lose by 30 at home in Game Seven? Absolutely not. not. Does Kobe? So. Does Kobe let that happen? Like Devin Booker, you're trying to be on this elite level. And you really are. Your play backs it up for the most part. You know, you're a spectacular player. But then to come out and lay that kind of egg in game seven at home, that's well, going to stick the, on your career forever, for life. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that him and Luca kind of built up this little bit of a kind of personal rivalry, which made it super fun to watch, made the yeah. whole series a little bit better. And then it's like Luca just came out and said, hey, I'm the man, basically. I'm going to take over and I'm going to embarrass you. Yeah, and drop a third. I mean, he had 27 at half, I think. And then Luca is kind of keep. I'm not a huge NBA fan. I like to keep up with with the Grizz or whatever, and I watch the playoffs. I will, but I feel like Luca is really keeping me kind of in tune with the NBA, just because he is this like fascinating player that is just a little bit different. You have to have something kind of unique about you, and obviously, you went the Mavs went from basically Dirk over to Luca, but he's fun to watch. He's this like young. I mean, he's got the Euro style going and everything. But then also when you throw in this kind of trash talk that's been going on and with him and D-Book, like that's what's going to keep people engaged with the NBA is these younger guys kind of developing those personal rivalries. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Would have been good to see Ja versus Luka. I know mm. Ja's hurt, so probably wouldn't have been playing regardless, which that really is the biggest part about Memphis's playoff run is that didn't get a full healthy Ja and like full full effort. You know, the team's not as good without Ja, so – uh, would have been fun. But yeah, like you're saying, kind of those young stars, Luca. I mean, it was fun to see Luca versus Booker. That really was fun. Um, and then, yeah, John, like Trey Young and them, just like if they can k- keep these playoff battles going, that's what really elevates. Like Jason Tatum versus Giannis, like was obviously epic. Um, and so those kind of battles are uh, the NBA is very star oriented. So you get these kind of singular um, stars, especially shining brightest in the postseason. Uh, kind of cre- creates just a lot of attention. Uh, it'll be fun. Luca's spectacular to watch. His all around game is just yeah. unreal. Um, so that'll be really fun to watch. I-, I hope they pull through to the finals. That'd be crazy. That'd be super fun. Warriors are tough though. Warriors are still like they're deep. That- that's the thing about the Warriors. This like it's probably not going to be just Steph and Clay like balling out on you. Uh, although they do have the capability of that, but like they literally got just dudes everywhere running in off the bench. Jordan Poole's giving you buckets. Um, it's just, they're just tough to stop as a unit, um, which is what makes them so great. But that's the thing I feel like a lot of people forgot about because the Warriors, even before KD got there and everything, they were such elite shooters that people kind of forgot. They are really, they run they execute very well on offense and everything. Like it is very methodical and drawn up very well. And I personally, the only thing I don't really like about the Warriors is I don't like Steve Kerr a whole lot, but honestly, yeah, he's been out right sick. Like the past, did he get COVID or something Something like that? Yeah. Some kind of, I don't know if it was tracing. It it was some, some COVID related. Yeah. He bothers me a little bit. And we talked about Seth. I think you talked about the whole, like, him trying to trash Dylan Brooks or whatever, talking about yeah. dirty players. Like, dude, and everything. You have Draymond was, Green on your team. Yeah, you have so a little no, bit of a yeah. A big, well, and it's like, bro, you played you grip. like he played in the nineties. Like he's he saw actual dirty players happening. Dude, like, he played against Bill Lambeer. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Uh, broke the code. What? Yeah. What is this code? 
<laughs> yeah, try and not end a guy's career. Look, Dylan Brooks is going for the ball. It's a hard foul. Look, it, I can see how it could have been called a flagrant one. No chance he should have been suspended game two. Um, I think the Jordan Poole play was dirty on Morant. It, it looked a little bit worse in slow motion than it did fast, but he did twist the ankle and push the back. I mean, it was as simple as that. And he that twisted was, a guy's knee who was already favoring. And like, you just don't yeah. t- like. There's no need to to do that. Yeah. So, and they even were asking Coach Taylor Jenkins after the game, like, uh, "Do you even think about if what how the series would have played out if Ja was able to go?" And he said, "You know what? I'd be lying to myself if I said otherwise. I mean, we got to play with the guys oh, we yeah. have available, but I'd I'd be lying if I said otherwise. I wish he was out there, but um, climbing." Um, and Robert Para, um, the kind of organization of the Grizzlies, the two main guys, said, uh, we're in it to win it. From this point forward, there's no tanking. Um, we're looking to surround Ja with uh, more shooters, more stars. Um, honestly, I don't know if Dylan Brooks is going to be on the team this next year after his horrendous, horrendous playoff performance. But he makes so many great plays. And like we talk about with Tannehill, um, it's hard to, hard to judge a guy over a two or three week slump. Like, and Dylan's a, Dylan's a, a key piece of the team, a key leader. So we'll see what happens there. Jaw's going to get paid. Jaron's going to have to get paid. Brandon Clark is going to get paid a decent amount. Uh, Bain, thank God we're not going to have to pay him for a couple of years or we'd be screwed. Thank God. So, uh, I mean, we do have a two, two, two to three year window here. Um, what do the, what do you think they need to add to make that window even uh, bigger? <laughs> not maybe not lengthwise, but like make it an even, you know, more. Well, Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr. Can't foul out of every single game um, because he is a guy that when we couldn't play Steven Adams, uh, while he's great defensively, he can't bang down low with those guys and get 12 boards a game like Adams can. Um, and so it seemed to work with the Warriors in small ball, and Jaron played great against the Warriors. So he plays great against the Warriors in small ball. Um, but when they get in that lineup and you throw Jaron Jackson Jr. and you throw Adams together in that lineup, you basically have to force Draymond to come out on Jaron and then Steven Adams – Kaminga Wiseman, who hasn't played in two years, who's Looney, who's going to be down there banging with big old Steven Adams down low. Adams would have had, might have set a playoff record of offensive rebounds in that series. Could he have gone the whole time? So obviously I'm biased, but uh, um, pissed off about it, but excited about the future. Um, excited about uh, to see what, what the Heat and the Celtics can do. Uh, Giannis was the first person ever in NBA history, I believe, to have 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a series and lose. So he was putting up numbers that even LeBron couldn't put up. Well, LeBron probably put up those numbers, just didn't lose. So yeah, he was it, he was special in that series, and to yeah. still come up short. I mean, it just proves like you cannot be like one singular option. You, you know, the totality of your parts has to be has to be better you know boston boston singularly has no Giannis. 
I mean, Jason Tatum's a great player, but he's no Giannis. I mean, in just the way he can totally control a game. But but together they they found a way to win in seven games. Um, so that that's just a testament to the team. And I'll be honest, I mean, I wouldn't that that's a that's a fun series because Miami's strong, strong. That team is really good, but obviously Boston has done their done just amazing work to get to the finals. So at that point, you know, it's just let's tip the ball off and let's play seven, see who wins. Um, I think it'll probably go deep. I think it'll probably kind of – I bet the first four even goes 2-2. I could see just home teams holding face. It seems like that's kind of how series go. It's just kind of feeling each other out, you know, seeing really what matchups we're going to take advantage of. Um, seemingly the home teams kind of have that advantage the first four games or so. Uh, and then you kind of get to games five, six, seven when – you take all the stuff you've learned from the first couple of games, you know, your stars got to step up even a little bit bigger. And, and then that's, that's really where you determine who moves on. Um, I, I would pick my, I'm picking Boston. You know what? I picked Boston to beat Milwaukee and then uh, really wanted to renege on it, but I stayed with Boston and looked like a genius in the end. So yeah, I'm sticking with Boston again, even though I think Miami, might be a little bit better, but I'm riding the Celtics. Something about the Celtics and basketball, just they have a weird energy that when it's on, it's just like they're just they are I lucky. Mean, like Celtics, maybe it is yeah, the, the, luck of the Irish. Irish. Yeah. I think that's it gotta be. When the Celtics are good, the NBA is fun to watch. When the Celtics, Lakers, Bulls, and Knicks, those four teams are good. Um and Miami, I'll throw that in there. They're fun to watch. I, I mean, it, it, those teams, they're so historic. Um, and Bulls are on their way back. Heat on their way back. Lakers are one or two – probably one piece away if they can get rid of Westbrook. I don't know how they're going to be able to with this $44 million contract. Um, and we never even really – I can't remember if we fully got to talk about how LeBron basically denied a DeMar DeRozan signing um, and specifically requested Westbrook be brought on the team. So could you imagine if a a less ball dominant player than like DeMar DeRozan, who's a a slasher and a cutter and a a mid range guy who can just flourish in a system uh, like LeBron can put together. Who knows what would happen with that Lakers team? Yeah, I could definitely see him fitting way better. I mean, obviously hindsight's 2020, but DeMar DeRozan definitely seems like he would, he would have worked in that system. They would have figured it out with him. Yeah. 100%. Because he he's 32 years old and played the best basketball of his career. Yeah. Trishon, you mentioned all those teams being good. When was the last time? I guess you go back to like, it was when you had the big three, was I guess D Rose was on the Bulls, Kobe yeah. was with the Lakers, the Knicks had that. Probably Carmelo was there. Yeah, they Car- had like Carmelo, yeah, Carmelo and Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, J.R. Smith was on that team. That um, was a fun little era. It was. It was. And uh, there was that one year they uh, where George Carl, I believe, uh, won Coach of the Year in 2013. They got either the first or second seed in the East, made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Everything seemed to be going right. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe Carmelo also won the scoring title that year. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just fun when the, those old school rivalries are pumping. And you can say the same same thing about college football. I mean, I can't wait until Tennessee and Alabama are competitive, uh, competitive again. I can't wait until Nebraska and Oklahoma, which could be coming soon. I mean, that kind of rivalry you know, firing back up. And uh, um, Auburn, Alabama has been a little shaky, but a, a, a little more stagnant than a lot of the rivalries. And then we can talk about Michigan, Ohio State. Finally, finally, uh, um, Harbaugh taking care of business and then Tennessee, Florida. Those, uh, those are the college football matchups I'm most excited about. And a couple of those are, uh, are looking to flip the script here soon. The, the trajectories of a couple of those teams have kind of flipped. Yeah, real quick, uh, Josh Pate was talking about this on his show. He was talking about the third Saturday in October rivalry with Tennessee and Alabama. And I think he was comparing it because there's a chance, you know, both teams are undefeated going into that game. It's in, I believe it's in Neyland. Yeah, it will be in Neyland. Uh, How insane that atmosphere would be and everything. And then he mentioned, you know, if you're a high school kid, or forget that, if you're a freshman at one of those schools, and you hear this chatter about third Saturday in October or this great rivalry between Alabama and Tennessee, you literally have no idea about that. Like, like at that age, like what's it been 15 years, 16, maybe crucial, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, what was it? Oh, six or oh, five. Like maybe. Yeah. I guess three. That's... No, was... ten- Tennessee and Arkansas have very similar. 06 was the last time Arkansas beat Alabama. I want to uh, say it no, was it was 05. 05. No, Arkansas okay. too. 05 because 06 we actually lost to them when we had a really good team. Uh but yeah, we haven't beat them while Saban's been, like we haven't beat Saban Alabama team. Yeah. Which is just unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, I barely like I barely remember Tennessee beating Alabama. I mean, we were kids, right? We yeah. were probably I guess I was around seven or eight, probably right around when I was actually getting into being interested in watching games and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you literally have gone through an entire gener you've you've passed through a generation now that has no idea that this rivalry is even a rivalry, really. All they know is it used to be essentially. So yeah. not a lot to say on it, just something I wanted to point out because I did find it interesting. Would be nice to kind of get those juices flowing again. Because if Tennessee won, you know, three out of five, even or even honestly two out of five of the next five, it would get big again. Like Tennessee wins a couple and it's right back to just like, all right, we're fired up. Uh, Really, what gets that going again is meeting when both teams in the top 15, you know, meeting with actual importance on the line. Um, It's fun to play each other. You know, it's great. You know, we can get up for a game regardless of kind of where we are, but to make it really matter, to make it really dig in and be like a big game with actual emotion on the line, because that's what really makes these games good is like the buildups high, you know, a lot of buildup, a lot of anticipation. The game is really high quality, you know, really good players, really well coached um, and like big epic finishes. And then it's got to hurt somebody. Like it's got to hurt hurt somebody pretty bad, um, and that's just kind of the reality of what makes a big game really important. But you know, tennis Alabama's got to go home like dejected after playing Tennessee. Like that's gonna happen at some point, um, and then that's when the feelings of rivalry start coming back. When it's like okay, like you know, they're kind of to be a rival. You 
essentially got to be an equal. You got to be a peer to be a true rival. Um, and Tennessee has not been that to Alabama. No one really has. Uh, no one's been a true rival to Alabama, uh, like in terms of on the field success. Uh, LSU has had little spurts. Georgia right now is pretty high and really competing at the highest level anyone's kind of done. Auburn does have that. Auburn has had pretty good success against it. Alabama. Yeah. Um, even though they haven't had as much national success, um, certainly in the last like 10 years, like Alabama has, um, they've had enough success on the field versus Alabama. And they're the biggest in state that, that nothing's going to compare to Auburn, Alabama. Um, so that rivalry is kind of intense regardless, but um, just saying to, to have a great rivalry, you gotta be, you gotta be equals. You gotta be peers. Um, and so first step is kind of getting back onto that level where you're nationally top 10 every year, nationally top 15, at least, you know, most, most years and most of the time. Um, and hopefully the Vols can, can kind of, uh, get back to that. That'd be not be nice. Be very nice. Yeah. Let's, let's hop into a little, uh, we had some Titans rookie minicamp going on this past weekend or, uh, on Friday and everything. I will say I got a chance to watch Malik Willis's kind of first presser as a Titan or after after practice and everything. I think Malik Willis might be the most likable football player on the planet. Oh, dude, the whole Tannehill thing, so overblown. And I was one of the guys that jumped on it a little quick, took it out of context. And Malik basically said, like, dude, Ryan's a cool, cool dude. We went over to his house. He took all the offensive rookies over there. Um and I got no problem with him. His job is he, – he wanted me to know that it's me, Logan, and him competing to make sure this team has the, the best opportunity to win. Now, the, that's not to say Ryan isn't going to give him a pointer here and there. That's not to say, hey, let's look at this play and see what we can do better. But it's on the quarterback's coach. It's on the offensive coordinator. It's on the head coach to be the main mentor to, Mal- to Malik Willis. Um so, I mean, just like you guys have said offline, we've talked about talk to talk to um, Rogers, Garoppolo, uh, or even talk to Brady, talk to Rogers, uh, see how they uh, were dealt with with Favre and Drew Bledsoe. I mean, it, it's the way it is in the NFL. Um, yeah, you ain't getting handed nothing. No, you no got to hand you a everything. starting quarterback job in the NFL. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. It is encouraging. Uh, the quarterback position is a very, very, you know, that would be the face of your franchise. Um, it's kind of a very vocal position and a very with it interior. Yes. Like within the team, obviously, yes, the quarterback is a very leadership position, but really I think if I'm talking more kind of exterior, like from a, to, to a fan, like a face, face of the team is your quarterback. And so I think it really is important that, he handles himself extremely well. And, um, you know, he's obviously a great interview and is very positive and kind of has this, um, I don't know. It's, I haven't watched a ton of it and I'm sure it, I'm sure there'll be some ebbs and flows, but certainly comes in with, with confidence and, and is very just a kind of has, there's something you can kind of tell in people, especially in that. That's an easy way to do it when they're up on stage to kind of grasp that, but they do just have certain kind of, 
leadership qualities that you kind of want to make you want to follow um, a person. And so for a quarterback, such a vital position um, where that actually does kind of play, you got to get in that huddle and command it every single time, you know, get and you command the respect um, from your teammates, but you kind of got to work to command that. Um, so it's, it is very encouraging to kind of see him handle himself with such poise and, and stuff like that, because that's, that's what, being a quarterback in the NFL takes that like it's kind of silly. Like you would think, oh, you know, just whoever's the best arm, best, but but it just doesn't function like that. You got to handle the media, you got to handle the fans, you got to handle everything, and to do it at a very high level. And he seems very prepared to do that. So let's hope he can be great on the field because if he's great on the field and can handle himself, then you have a superstar. You know what I mean? Like then you have someone that's truly uh, a star. Uh, so it's it's encouraging to see rookie minicamp is kind of. It's just all the little fluff, you know, they're in shorts and T-shirts running around. Um, yeah, my boy Traylon didn't have a first impression. First impression, not good. Getting a little overheated, maybe out of shape. Maybe something happened, you know, maybe 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 something was up that day. You never really know. It could have been could have had a, some illness or something going on. You never know. Uh, but he bounced back, had two other full days. He's going to be fine. Um, long way for the season. If it becomes it right now no issue, no big deal, right? If it becomes a pattern or something, or even if it happens again, if it's it kind of like, one more okay, time, what, what's, what's up with this? If it happens one more time, it's like something to think about. It happens like a couple more times, like, oh, that's a problem. Like, it's issue. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he got checked out medically. Like, I don't think it was anything too serious, but not a good impression. Like, I will say, like, yeah, not a big deal, not a great impression. Like, not your first, like, day one in shorts and T-shirt, your number one receiver you want them to be just like jumping around, just flying around, catching balls and stuff. Uh, so a little unfortunate on that end, but uh, it's exciting. A few vols making some noise at uh, at rookie minicamp. Will you got anything on that? Yeah, for sure. Real quick, I'm going to touch on what you said. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want your number one that first round receiver. I remember when Corey Davis got drafted, and obviously, solid career in Tennessee. Some people are up and down on him. Obviously pretty good career though if you just look at the stats but I remember when he was drafted and he was everyone was that's all they could talk about was the plays he was making on the practice field everything so it is yeah it's something I don't think it's a big deal like you said if it happens again something to worry about but yes we did have I think Theo Jackson who was drafted by the Titans first guy to pick off Malik so that was kind of cool then you had a couple former Vols trying out for the team Kenneth George was trying out and ended up getting called back. So he's going to be practicing, I guess, this whole week and through training camp until they decide to make cuts. And then also, yes, I sent this to Seth. We had former Vol quarterback Quentin Dormady trying out for the team, which I could not believe. The guy was in college. He was in college for seven years. I did the math. I think he was in college for seven mm-hmm. years. Went from Tennessee. I thought he went to Colorado State maybe after that. Trucial, do you have any idea where he went after that? And then I think he ended up at Central Michigan coming. That's yeah, where I Eastern think he Michigan. Was. It's Central. One of the Michigan. One of the weird Michigans. Yeah, you're you're correct about that. I'll yeah. I'll go ahead and confirm that real quick. Central yeah, Michigan, I believe. Yeah, but Dormady, man, I guess he. I don't. I don't think he made it. So sad, but man, that Central was a Michigan. name. Yep. Okay, that that was a name. I tell you what, when that guy was coming out of high school. 
he was the I feel like he was the first oh this is the next Peyton Manning I think he was the first one to at least in recent memory once we hit the 2010s I feel like Dormady was the first guy to get that uh so cool to see him if nothing else but I'm excited man I've never been so excited for preseason to get rolling and everything just with all these young guys we have it'll be fun to watch and more more on Malik I mean the guy was just calm cool and collected and I don't want to say he wasn't professional because he was, but he was so casual with the media, which is always such a breath of fresh air to hear. Because all these media guys, half of them are ask, asking like the dumbest questions. And to hear a guy respond to them kind of in a real manner. Like I think Kaharski asked him about going through progressions. And they always will ask you kind of these double questions to slip you up. And he goes, yeah, because I'm sure you didn't like. Uh, you know, we've we've heard you didn't do a whole lot of that at Liberty. And he straight up was just like, man, I don't know what you've been told. But he's like, that's football, man. That's what I do, like, my entire life. So cool it. to hear him kind of. I love it. Yeah, I like hearing him fire back a little bit. Uh, something else he, he said. He seems comfortable. Oh, yeah, he they asked him about the whole Tannehill comment. And his first response was just like, what comment? And then just, like, smiles, like, jokingly. Like, he has no problem with it or anything. So the only thing is. As likable as he is, it's going to be that much easier for fans to start calling for him to come in and play no matter where yeah. he's at on the field. You know, once Tannehill mm-hmm. throws that first pick, everyone's going to be calling for him to come in. So we'll see how we have to maneuver our way around that once the time comes. I think we're more excited for this one because last year just left such a bad taste. It was just we just want to get on to something new, like get back out there and play again. Heck yeah. Have your season end like so just such a bummer, like such a big lead up to nothing. Uh, you're just ready to get back out there and let's throw the ball out there and play some more. Um, should have a good team and a healthy King Henry. New weapons around us. Some old weapons are gone, but you can't think about them. They're not Titans anymore, so pretty much irrelevant. Let's move on to uh, guys. I sent you this on Twitter and I'm going to pull it up again. So I was looking at someone tweeted out basically, uh, I think it was WagerNet or some gambling site had started putting out. You could see the times for the week one and week zero games coming up. And at first glance, and no one had even commented this. So that's why I was like, how has no one responded to this yet? And I guess it wasn't like a huge account or anything, but for week zero, the Nebraska Northwestern game in Ireland was listed at 4 a.m. And at first I was like, dang, okay, is that real? Because I know Ireland's like six hours ahead of us, but even that doesn't really make sense when you think about it. So I went ahead and clicked on the link that the guy listed, and it says 6 a.m. in Ireland. And that kind of matches up, I guess, if you assume they're going to kick off at noon over in Ireland. But I'm going to... They wouldn't kick off at noon in Ireland if they knew that that was going to be 6 a.m. in the U.S. That's what I was thinking. So but that would be awesome. I don't know why it's listed like that, but I'm all for it if it is at 6 a.m. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But Have they no. not released? All I'm seeing here is the TBD. Yeah, um, this is literally only on wagertalk.com. So oh, probably yeah. That's, uh, Teddy Spransky, my dad's uh, old employee. Teddy covers. Call him up. Where'd he get his 
Infor- yeah, where did Teddy where did Teddy Covers get his uh um he follows me on Twitter out of uh I think he has eight hundred followers and fifty thousand um or he follows eight hundred people but has fifty thousand followers. Nice. So uh yeah, I can shoot him a DM hell. Why don't we bring him on one day? I, I haven't even thought about that about my dad's old uh old buddies from the handicap. His name is Teddy Covers. Teddy Covers. Well, Teddy Savransky is his real name, but his handicapper name. Because uh, back in the day, gambling was not kind of seen as open, and uh, it, it's not like it is today. So a lot of the old school guys came up with fake names uh, to put out picks and uh, do that. So Teddy Covers was his old school name, but now he's Teddy Savransky um, and runs Wager Talk um, and runs a lot of sports memo. Uh, which my dad used to to run back in the day. Um, so yeah, I'd uh, you know what? I'll shoot uh, I'll te- I'll shoot Teddy Covers a DM at some point and see if he'd come on and uh, maybe talk a little game with us because uh, he's uh, he he's very informed. I can guarantee. Well, that. ask him ask him about this DM about this game time because I'd love to know because it does have there's one 11 a.m. game. It's Charlotte and Florida Atlantic. There's three games at 1 p.m a game at 2.30 p.m. and a game at 5 p.m. So I'm assuming, I mean, it's not a conflict or anything because if you're going to have three 1 p.m. games, I would think you could have multiple at 11 a.m. or something. You know? I do hope it's at least a breakfast game. Like, I hope maybe not 4 a.m., but like 7 a.m. if I could wake up and have the Huskers in Dublin. I'm also looking up this stadium that they're playing in is sick. I don't know if you've seen any of these pictures of this place in Dublin, but it is amazing. Good. Beautiful stadium here. I wonder how many people will be there. Honestly, capacity so, of forty-eight thousand. Let me uh, let me take down your question real quick. Real quick here, Will. Um, what do you want me to get over to Teddy Covers? Say the Week Zero Nebraska versus Northwestern game is listed as a six a.m. kickoff. Can you confirm? Where are you getting these numbers? Yeah, Teddy Covers. Well. Um, I mean, he has his own serious XM radio talk show. Should so. um, should we just book a few team packages over here to Dublin? Maybe check out Week Zero. So let's see. I'm trying I to get see. A f- Where did he tweet that? <sighs> oh, no. mm? maybe I'm missing it. For some reason, I'm not seeing it. Ooh, they got golf packages. This uh, I- I'm deep. I, I'm deep in finding out more about this Northwestern oh, wager Huskers talk. game. Okay, okay. So it might've not been Teddy covers that put that out. It's just a company that uh, he helps run. So sorry for the misinformation there. But nah, I'll, Teddy covers is definitely in the know. He knows what's up. I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot him. A, I'll shoot him a DM and uh, catch up with him because uh, it's been way too long either way. Ooh, we can do the don't uh, the don't Dublin Galway it's eight nights you get one ticket and uh, I think you have some golf included here it's a $3,300 a pop it's a little steep yeah it's a little steep okay the the golf package is uh, includes six nights a classic game ticket an exclusive Nebraska welcome experience. That's priceless. <laughs> and uh, does not include airfare, and it's $4,300 a person. Dang. 
Yep. So it looks it like it's cool. going to be a pretty expensive trip to go over here to Dublin. Yeah, I don't think I could swing that one. <laughs> I don't think that one's happening. I do love the Huskers, but uh, love, that one I might be difficult. <laughs> I'm interested to see, though, because I remember they've done this before where they'll throw a college football game in Australia or something, right? So basically, I mean, 90, well, I would think the majority of people there are just going to be Irish people who are fascinated by the game of football and want to come watch it. So I'll be interested to see if that stadium is full or if it's, you know, 20,000 people or something. Yeah. No, agree. Yeah, I'm fired up to see how that goes. I do. I think a breakfast game would be so cool. Huskers think, week zero breakfast game, like the first thing of college football of the year is the Huskers in Ireland. Maybe that's where the luck starts. I, I'm really riding heavy on a strong Huskers season this year. A Big Ten West championship. We'll see. I, I can't predict after that. That's where my mirror gets. That's where like my crystal ball gets like foggy. It's like, I don't know. What, oh, I don't, I, I don't see a loss. Foggy. No, I don't see a loss or anything. I just, I don't know. Up to, like after that, it's just fate. But uh, I do see a Big Ten West championship incoming. Um, so a, a good lucky start in Ireland would be a great way to send off the season. I love you know, maybe that really is. I, I never really – I hadn't thought about that. Maybe the Irish win, we get a little Irish luck rubbed off on us. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. I'll be I think so. But we – I had someone – this always comes up on Twitter or something, but, you know, you talk about what the best – time zone is to watch games in and everything and i do agree i think the central is the best because you do get kind of that normal good 11 a.m start and then you get to have a game going the pac-12 after dark does go into late at night but that being said it would be pretty cool to have games kicking off in cali at like 9 a.m or shoot go over to hawaii and be waking up to college football games i'd be a little much because that's just a little too early I'm thinking Mountain West. I'm a mountain time guy. So 10 a.m. kicks. I'm still getting late night action, but not like crazy late. Pretty much my solid schedule for me there. But I just like living on mountain time, too. So that's just cool. It's just uh, it's just objectively a cooler version. Central time. That's kind of lame, even though it's, I've lived my whole life in central time. See, I think and I do quite enjoy it, good too, because yeah. you get I think 10 a.m. is like, ooh, that's a little earlier. You know, you get especially if you're an early riser, you don't have to wait as long. And then you still go in, you're still going into midnight probably with some of yeah. those games, you know? Yeah. I was in, I was in LA uh, one time on a Saturday or like a college football Saturday. I watched Arkansas lose 70 to 17 to like Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, USC team. Like one of those guys. Um, I was so young, but the one thing that did stick out to me was I woke up and there was college football on television and that was awesome. I did love that part of that day. Um, or maybe not quite woke up, but you know what I mean? Like I woke up and almost immediately there was college football starting and the sec too. So if, but that's a thing too, like most people who live in Cali don't care about the sec, but if you did, it would be sick to wake up at nine, uh, and have, you know, Vanderbilt versus Mississippi State just rolling on on the SC network, ready to go. Yeah, definitely. Do we want to move into? I guess we can start wrapping it up, Trucial. I know you've got a bunch of baseball stuff to talk about. Um, 
obviously Tennessee's doing really well. And then you had one, I think you should open it up with that, with the crazy weekend the Cincinnati Reds yeah. had. So this is the first time this has happened uh, since 08. Uh, I want to say the Astros beat the Dodgers. And don't hold me against that. I know the Dodgers won, but I can't remember if it was the Astros or not. Um, but the Reds were able to pitch a no-hitter and um, lose the game. They didn't give up a single hit. It wasn't through errors. They walked five straight batters. Walked five straight batters to walk in the game-winning run, I believe. I want to say it was through seven and two-thirds innings, something like that. Um, No hitter and a loss. Uh, What do you say in the locker room after that? Like, fellas, we did it, everything perfect and still lost. You didn't hit. Yeah, you did hit. I, That's I true. Every, every single player that is not in the bullpen is running after that game. Well, so was it the same pitcher the whole time? Um. No, no they had several pitchers. They had several So, pitchers. like, one guy, like, pitched a shutout no-hitter. Yes. Correct? Yes. That sucks for that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he might have been the guy that gave up some walks, honestly. I think he did give well, up the walks. They, they pulled And then him. the other guy came in and, and had other... to walk one in, basically. Something like that, yeah. Okay. And uh, so... Still, and though, te- so was it... Technically, it, it, the, you can go look at the official rules. You have to pitch nine innings for it to be a technical no-hitter. Well, so it was a team no-hitter, though. So. Yeah, team no-hitter. Like, they pitched a no-hitter. So, it wasn't specifically on that pitcher. Uh, he was not credited with a no-hitter because he didn't pitch nine innings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, crazy stuff in, in the world of sports here. Was it, it so it was one to nothing? Yeah, one nothing. Okay. One nothing. One nothing. Um and speaking of baseball, I do want to do a quick update of so Tennessee is now not the u the unanimous number one team no longer. They are uh, the majority number one team, but Oregon State, I want to say jumped them in it wasn't d one baseball. It might have been USA today, one of the one of those stupid polls. I mean, you can pull from all of them, but the the majority had Tennessee at number one. one uh, one poll had Oregon State just because of the strength of schedule. because if you look at the strength of schedule, which is pretty surprising playing in the SEC, they have Tennessee listed at number thirty nine yet Vanderbilt listed at number three. What is that? Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt came and beat the Hogs this weekend, too. So, Tennessee's strength of schedule is 39. Oh. Okay. Dallas Baptist strength of schedule is number two. All these metrics seem just strange. Dallas Baptist isn't playing an SEC schedule. They're not playing weekend series versus SEC teams. Auburn's good. Arkansas is good. I don't care if Mississippi State and Ole Miss are having down They must years. have a hell of a midweek schedule mississippi state literally won the world series last year like yeah they're not having a they're pretty bad this year but like so, still so even let's then. go I'll, I'll list out uh dallas baptist here their wins southeast oh so they lost a series against southeast missouri state lost against texas tech swept sam houston lost against uh texas tech 
won the series against San Diego, but lost uh, lost the game, lost Oklahoma, swept Southern Miss, lost to Oklahoma State, swept Oral Roberts, um, beat UT Arlington, won the series against Maryland, but lost one of those games, uh, lost a series to Wofford, swept Missouri State. That ain't it. I, I got the summary of the schedule. Is that it? Bradley. I mean, how? Well, so it sounds like they played Illinois like. State? Well, it sounds like there's only three. Like they played Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Maryland. Like those are the only. And they teams lost to even... all of them. Well, but that didn't matter. We're just talking about strength of schedule. Still, it, but they're right oh, yeah, no, four I know. in the country. Yeah. We'll see. That's the good thing about postseason, man. We just got to get in. And, yeah, and get I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. matter. And Our, it looks like. I think, sh- I think last week. Oregon State may have gotten some votes, but it looks like Shump tweeted out today that we are back as the uh, unanimous number oh, one. Oh, is it? Okay, maybe maybe I was still. But uh, yeah, no, it was last week. La- last week we were not. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll uh, we'll do a big SEC or a big uh, college baseball primer kind of next week after because uh, we'll have the tournament seedings and everything after next weekend. Yeah, we should get Shump. Oh wait, uh, I guess that'll actually be no. We got one more weekend series and then. Then we'll have the finalized SEC um, so we can have like a tournament and then a big as NCAA tournament preview kind of deal. Um, but that'll be fun. That's kind of the biggest sports thing in my in my eyes for the next kind of month or so is uh, college baseball. So it's that time of the year. It is that sure. time of the year, baby. And I'm fired up about it. I mean, I really I, – I don't know if I've watched a college baseball game um, – since well, for the first time two years ago, I'd say I watched uh, a college. Ba- I, it's, look, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a I'm a fan of Tennessee, and we've been trash for a long time. And in 05, I, I mean, I was watching the Cardinals play baseball. I didn't give a crap about the uh, the the Vols at the time. But man, I am on the bandwagon. I'm not claiming I've been there the whole time, but boy, you sure as hell will see me riding on the the coattails of that bandwagon. Well, and that's, I mean, college baseball is truly a niche sport. Like, you're not yeah. finding many diehard college baseball fans unless they do have some it's sort like of at least tradition. State, or Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU, uh, uh, yeah. Texas, uh, those historic programs you can find some diehards in, but uh, it, it's tough to find them anywhere else. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, anything else we want to cover before we close it out? Trying to think here if we got anything else going on. Um, we why don't we talk a little uh, Stanley Cup hockey minute before we uh, go? I know the uh, the Preds are gone, which sucks, but we can give a quick update there. So we're in the second round here. Um, number one, Florida Panthers versus number three, Tampa Bay Lightning. Look, I don't want Tampa Bay to repeat, so uh, I'm all on Florida here. Um. It's going to be – we got a lot ahead of us. The the Blues and the Avs can both score goals like absolute maniacs. Uh, Calgary, Edmonton, score goals. Um, I'm excited. And the Preds are out. I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but I love watching playoff hockey. Like playoff hockey to me is one of the most fun things that there is to watch uh, just because of the physicality of the game. And you talk about playoff football, the physicality of the game there um, and how much they kick it up, how much they're ready to go. So I, I'm really just excited about that. Um, 
So, Give me a game seven playoff hockey over about anything. That is just I mean, it's, intense. It's intense. It's intense as it gets. So the refs I'm let the boys play that. too in hockey. They do. That's what's nice, See, especially I, in the playoffs. And I wish in baseball they would let the pitcher, if he beans somebody, go let him charge him out for 20 seconds. Let him duke it out. Get keep everybody in the bullpens back. Let him duke it out for a second. Let the bullpens go. Give give the bullpens tech, 10 seconds to get their licks in, and then we shut it down. That's what I see. That's what I would love if happened in baseball and electronic strike zones. Angel, Angel Hernandez, you're a scumbag. Go on. It has go turned on. into the ump show this year. It really has. It's, it been, really- it's bad. I mean, part of it's social media, right? I mean, yeah, but, but I mean, we've had social media for a few years now. Like this year, it is definitely worse. Yeah, it's worse. So. I mean, regular season, maybe you keep the umps. I kind of like that as part of the game. But playoffs, you got to get the call right. Like, put an electronic strike zone. We can see the box on the TV. I know you can do it. You could still have the ump. He can just – but he would be, like, calling – like, give him some sort of uh, device that's like, hey, that was a strike. Hey, that was a ball. So he can call him, but he's not making the decision. I agree. I agree. Well, that's all the griping that I had to get out uh, uh, here at the end of this episode. It was a pleasure. Short one as we're uh, kind of working through the really the last of the sports here. We've got a little bit of NBA left. We've got a little bit of hockey left, and then it's uh, it's on to baseball, um, and then it's on to uh, off season Kool Aid. Yeah, all season Kool Aid, drinking it all summer long, baby. Yep. I can't wait for that. Uh, guys, thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out, sixpackcoverage.com. Check them out on social media at Six Pack Coverage. Check us out, Twitter at Paydirt underscore sports, Instagram at Paydirt Sports. Look at the website, paydirtsports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Paydirt out. <laughs>